Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode we have Netflix 253rd film from 2020. It's the superhero film The Old Guard which is directed by Gina Prince Bythewood. It stars Charlize Theron, Kiki Lane, Marwan Kanzari, Luca Marinelli, Harry Melling, Veronica No, Matthias Schoenhartz and Chiwetel Elephor. I'm Jesse. I'm writing you solo for this uh, big, big film, really. Um, once we start talking about it, I was quite surprised how big this was for Netflix. But as always, if uh, you're keen on checking this one out and you don't know anything about the film and you want to see it, give us a pause and come back a little bit later on because I will spoil it at various stages. We do kick the show off with the Fast Flicks, which is a quick little summary of what the film's all about. So for me, this one's about a team of immortals who travel the world to do good for humanity, but others get in their way and try to abuse their own individual powers. Sounds intriguing, I know. Let's talk about this one and how it ended up on Netflix, and it's got a good story, I guess. Uh, Before we do that, though, some translations for this title of the film around the world. In Bulgarian, it's called Immortal Fighters. In Czech, Slovak, and Russian, it's called The Immortal Guard. In Chinese, it's called The Legion of the Undead. In Turkish, it's called Immortality. In Vietnamese, it's called The Old Guard, Immortal Warriors. The tagline for this one was, Forever is harder than it looks. Not bad. And the other one it had was, Whatever it takes. And that's a probably a theme in this film almost as well. Let's, let's talk about this. So we go all the way back to March of 2017, where Skydance Media picked up the rights to adapt the comic called The Old Guard, which was written by Greg Rucker and illustrated by Leandro Fernandez into this film. Rucker's contract stipulated that a major scene highlighting the romance between the characters Joe and Nikki from the comic book must also be in the film adaptation as well. We move forward to July of 2018, where they hired Gina Prince-Bythewood to direct, with Rucker adapting his comic book into a screenplay had a budget of about $70 million, which um, is pretty impressive, really. And and it made Gina Prince-Bythewood the first black woman to direct a big-budget comic book film, too, which is cool to hear. March of 2019, Netflix picked up the worldwide rights for the film and agreed to finance it with Skydance, and Charlize Theron also joined the film. One of our stars, Veronica No, um, or Yo, she requested that the details of her character were changed from the comic book, uh, because... If we talk about it from an interview from Rucker, he said when she was cast Veronica, she said, I'm not Japanese, I'm Vietnamese. Um, and the director, Gina Prince-Bythewood, she reached out to Rucker and said, can we accommodate that? And he's like, of course, because in the, the comic book, um, the character is Noriko, um, becomes Quinn. So Quinn's now Vietnamese instead of Japanese. So nice little change there, really simple. They wanted to honor, respect that too. The only other sort of character I could see um, was the death of uh, Quinn in this film. In, in the, the comic book, apparently, um, she's washed aboard during a storm rather than being deliberately drowned, spoiler alert, um, as, as we see in this film. So, um, and apparently that was a bit of a logistical change too to save a little bit of money too, which is good to see. Um, principal photography for the film began in Europe in the middle of May of 2019. Filming was in Morocco and the UK, um, as well as Shepard and Studios in England. This film, The Old Guard, was released on Netflix on July 10th of 2020, and it was the top-streamed item on the site over its first weekend. It ranked second and fourth the following two weekends, which is pretty good for Netflix. Talking about good, though, on July 17 of 2020, Netflix reported that the film was on pace to be viewed by 72 million households over its first four weeks. This would put it among the top 10 most successful original launches in Netflix history. 
That October, Netflix also reported or went on to report that the actual figures were about 78 million. Um, and in November, Variety reported that the film was the seventh most watched straight to streaming title of 2020 up to that point. Um, this is about film, I guess, a little bit. So on the code at the beginning of the old guards credits, um, Rucker, the, the writer said, in case of a sequel, break glass. It's very straightforward. You want another one? Question mark. Here's a way to get into it. So a sequel um, to this original graphic novel um, was published in 2019. It was called The Old Guard Force Multiplied. Um, Charlize Theron expressed that she was interested in doing a second film and said, you know, let's have a little bit of a rest uh, given the fact that everyone really wanted to do it. She's like, when it's the right time, we'll start the conversation. So then we sort of skip forward to January 27th of 2021 where Netflix announced they've greenlit the sequel. In August of 2021, it was announced that Victoria Mahoney would replace Prince Bythewood as the director um, for the sequel. Theron, Lane, Schoenhardt, Kanzari, Marinelli, Nyo, and Alifor are all going to reprise their respective roles from the original film too. Then of June of 2022, Uma Thurman and Henry Golding were cast in undisclosed roles. Um, part of the film, it's being shot in the Italian Cincietta Studios. Um, and there was a fire in those studios in August of 2022, which caused a little bit of a disruption to filming. They went on to do some additional filming for this sequel um, in the United Kingdom, with it apparently all being wrapped up by September of 2022, with an expected release in the second half of 2023. We've recently seen a little bit of news um, about this film too, because um, the producer, Mark Evans, at the premiere of Netflix's uh, recent Jennifer Lopez movie, The Mother, we, we've done a bonus episode on that one too, if you're keen to check it out, but he said that the ending to the sequel to number two kind of demands a number three, which makes him very happy. So um, that's a little bit interesting, I guess, when, we, when we're here too. The only other thing about the um, what we can talk about this film is that Greg Rucker, when he wrote the first screenplay of the, the film, um, Charlize Theron came on board and she had a few issues with it. and. <laughs> These were raised in a conference call with uh, Charlize Theron and, and Rucker described it as one of the worst experiences of his career. Uh, he did another rewrite, but then he got fired um, and Theron's production company commissioned a new script from new writers, but Netflix didn't like the version. So when Gina, Price, uh, Gina Prince Bythewood came on as a director, she recommissioned Rucker, who was able to patch up his differences with Charlize Theron. And that's why we've got this film. So a little bit there on this film, a little bit on the sequel. Uh, hopefully that's a little, little summary. As I mentioned, it did hit Netflix on the 10th of July, 2020. It was nominated for 24 awards and it won another five as well. So it won the best superhero film at the Critics' Choice Super Awards. It won best science fiction or fantasy movie at the Dragon Awards. The best dramatic presentation in long form at the Hugo Awards. So quite a successful film, really. Um, that leads us into what are critics and audiences saying about this film. If we look at Rotten Tomatoes, it sits at a 80%, which is certified fresh, on 286 reviews. That's a lot of critics. Audience also seem to like it. It sits at 70%. That's on more than two and a half thousand audience ratings. And if we head over to IMDb, it's at a 6.7 out of 10, but this is the incredible number. That's on 175,000 ratings. Letterbox again, extremely high. It sits at three out of five, um, which is good, but it's been logged by 127,000, nearly 128,000 people, but been seen by 185,000 people. So lots and lots of people have seen this film. Completely surprised me. Metacritic, the critics have it at a 70, which is green, which is positive. That's on 40 critic reviews. Audience, a little bit lower at a six, uh, sorry, a 5.9, and that's on 546 reviews, which puts it in that middle yellow category on Metacritic. What are my early thoughts on this one? That's a solid action film. Um, even though the action probably didn't stand out for me, I think that 
the, the more enjoyable parts of the lead female characters, um, especially Theron as Andy, who, who's a believable character and upholds that idea of mortality that we're probably going to talk about a little bit as we discuss the film. Characters. Let's, let's lead into Andy as a character. I think that Andy's the oldest member of this group of these immortal mercenaries, I guess. Um, dealing with tiredness, you know, such a long life and, and doing the same thing for such a long time, trying to do the right thing and never seeing any positive impact. Um, but then also that idea that she goes through with, with regret over past decisions and, and taking the blame for actions and, and possibly now almost being able to see through to the end of, of her mortality and and what does that mean so uh, not, not a badly formed character andy um, our main character um, her sidekick for the second half of the film i guess is is niall who is an african-american a marine in afghanistan who, who's killed on, out on mission um but regenerates and becomes the newest member of this group almost uh really as a character used effectively as the exposition really for the sort of to learn what it means to be a part of this this guard as well as informing the audience on sort of the backstory and the history and the the ins and outs of, of how they got these powers or, or what these powers mean i guess um her dad was a soldier mum had to do it herself bring up the kids um because dad was killed in action and and the the family is important to her because she's dealing with that idea of now that she's a part of this group that she's never going to age so she can't really ever see her family again and and what's the right decision to make to, to say farewell or to spend the next few life next few years with her family while she sort of looks the same or, or, or should she just cut ties completely so um, nice little character study there too Booker's sort of the next main one i guess he's the second oldest member of the guard He's this male, drinks a lot, he had sons, um, he struggled with that idea of never being able to see them again, so that sort of works through with Niles and her thoughts. And he's probably, um, you know, you can probably see is because of these these experiences, he's the one who wants to find out how to make this immortality end, and, and therefore we sort of do see him become a traitor, which is a little bit sad. Um, other characters, other side characters, Joe and Nikki, they're, they're the other two members of this group. They're key in the group. These two guys have been together for a long time. They do anything for each other. They have some nice moments throughout as well. Merrick, he's our evil, evil pharmaceutical baron type character. He's more concerned with profit than ethics. Uh, he's got this Dr. Kozak doing his work. Um, when we talk a little bit later on, we'll talk about the casting in that one. A little bit interesting. Um, Copley is this other guy who sort of works with Merrick. He's conflicted. He's working with Merrick because he wants to help cure illness because his wife's passed away because of disease. And he does this even though he knows Merrick probably isn't a good guy. Um, he's worked with the guard before. Um, and that's where there's probably some issues because we know that they don't like to do repeat jobs for people. So that maybe is, is a little bit of their downfall in, in some of the things that happen in this film. But we, we do find out too that um, he's going to definitely be working with the guard again in the future. Uh, the last character I mentioned in the in sort of the, the information was that was Quinn, which is this um, past member of the group who we see through flashbacks, spent a lot of time with Andy, um, but they were separated. And, and this leads to part of that guilt that Andy feels too with never being able to find her. Um, yeah, all right. The director, Gina Prince Bythewood, wrote and directed the film Love and Basketball. Didn't know that. Um, great film, 90s film, early 2000s film. Great film, Love and Basketball. Wrote an episode of Felicity as well, another big TV show. Biggest film recently would be directing uh, The Woman King, which a lot of people recently have spoken about being snubbed at the Oscars. Um, she had a really good quote from her I've got here from um, when she was talking about Netflix. She said, props to Netflix. They gave us so much money that any potential studio or more money than any potential studio was going to so she said she went back and forth but because you know she loves the collective experience of sitting in a theater 
in a, in a cinema where everyone's feeling the same things at the same time. So that was a little bit tough for her, but she was interested in the idea that this film was going to drop in 150 countries on the same day and, and the number of viewers are potentially tremendous. So, you know, it's a, it's a big question that we've seen over the years of doing this podcast that directors have is, do I want my film to hit cinemas or do I want as many eyeballs as possible to see it, to see my work in, in the hope that, you know, um, I might get some more work, um, some bigger work. So interesting there. Uh, let's talk about some scenes. What are some things in this one that, that I enjoyed that stood out for me? So I think um, Andy and, and Booker, uh, they go to meet Copley in this open envir- environment in the middle of the street to talk about this job. When they fish the job, um, Copley just sort of does a wink to the camera, which is where we know Nikki and Joe, who are snipers, are in this position. I thought that was funny. I thought that was a good little start. Uh, I've got to say, this, this happens early on, but the trap where the team go into that dark room, the lights come on, then they're all shot. It completely surprised me. Um, and then even more so when they all came back alive, I guess, you know, knowing f- films and knowing their structure, you know that the main crew aren't going to die straight away. But then I was like, oh, are we going to see this in flashback or something like that? So that, that was a, because I, yeah, and I'll probably talk about this later. I, I didn't know much about this film at all. Uh, Andy in a scene is driving Niall away. She goes and picks Niall up from the military um, and Niall tries to escape. She kicks herself out of this car and then Andy just shoots her <laughs> and just says, why is it so slow the first few times um, in relation to her being able to get back alive? I thought that was funny. Uh, there's a scene on the plane where uh, Andy's got Niall and they've got a pilot and, and Niall's trying to turn the tables and um, and then um, to get out of the situation, you know, Andy shoots the pilot and Niall freaks, but the joke is that she told the pirate the pilot to play dead in Russian beforehand. So that, that was a, a cool little scene and that sort of plays out uh, with Niall and Andy again later in the film towards the conclusion. Uh, the post-credit scene. <laughs> Uh, we see Booker, he's drunk. Uh, Quinn rocks up. I'd completely forgotten about her. Uh, I, I just believed that she was gone. So I really like this. Obviously, it's the setup for the sequel, but it was a good surprise. thought it was a great way to finish the film. I like that too. All right, what, what are some things that I didn't necessarily like? I think uh, when Niall is reborn, I, f- I found it sort of weird that all of her co-soldiers, were, they were played out as if they were freaked out by her. And I think it just made it easier for her to leave I guess but I would have liked to have seen one of her friends or one of her colleagues try and assess what was actually going on with her I think that that would have been good Uh, Andy goes to a drugstore at some stage to sort of fix her shoulder which isn't healing I mean we we get that it's an important scene about her losing her um, immortality but just the conversation and help from the attendant just felt a little bit on the nose I think a lot of the song choices throughout were a little bit lame Uh, the one that stood out the most was when Niall's uh, going in this elevator and the lyrics are talking about the end of it all, going down fighting, taking them all out. It was lame. We knew that's what she was going to do anyway. Uh, finally, the consequence that they give as a group to Booker, uh, which was to make him stay away from them for 100 years. So that was kind of stupid. I don't know. I just I just don't know if it was needed. felt felt weird. Uh, and it probably sets it up so that he can come back and save them in the next film as well. Uh, themes, ideas, what's this talking about? So I think, you know, there's some good stuff in here. It's like humanity. What, what does it mean to be mortal, you know? as humans are we ever doing enough could we be doing more uh you know nothing that lives lives forever so the time that we've got we need to use properly and and humanity it's something that is worth fighting for um and then that leads into that idea of good triumphs over evil if you've got integrity you've got courage you do what's right um even if sometimes that good and righteous stuff that you're doing isn't recognized you should still keep continuing you don't need that constant uh, reaffirmation i guess and that leads into belief belief in yourself or or what do you believe in and why and, and how hard it can be to believe when things seem to be improbable at times uh there's, there's ethical and, and moral and legal questions around how we try and how we help people and and sometimes um 
ethical ideas about keeping promises, doing whatever it takes. Um, yeah, all a bunch of interesting things. What did I take away from this one? Um, I sort of touched on this a little bit before. I actually had no idea that this film dealt with um, immortality or superhero-like ideas. So, so I was pleasantly surprised once I started watching and what I was actually witnessing. Uh, that was cool. I knew we have a moment where we say, hey, is there anything that anyone in the film that we recognize but we can't name him? Um, good one for me this time. Harry Melling plays the character Merrick. That is Dudley from Harry Potter. I knew this. I, I knew this. I'd, I'd read this somewhere. I knew this. Uh, annoying that I didn't recognize it straight away when I was watching. <laughs> also weird casting. I'm not sure he had the chops to be the big bad villain that you need in a superhero film. Uh, there's one other thing I, I didn't IMDb, but I looked up on the internet because there's a there's a moment where they're sort of in this um, old mine, old mine, and Niall's looking at some old artifacts, and she says, oh, is that a rodent? And she's like amazed. To be honest, I had no idea what a rodent was, so I looked it up, and it's it was the the sculptor, famous French sculptor, who'd made that that piece of artwork. So that's what that was. So it makes sense now. <laughs> Questions, ponderings, anything that I want to discuss on. Um, just in relation to this idea of them being shot and their body shooting bullets out or getting sliced and the, the wounds heal, like what if you cut one of their limbs off? Would they grow back? I don't know. That's just an interesting thought. Like if you decapitate one of these characters, is that the end of them? because hundreds and hundreds of years no one's done that so i thought that's an interesting little little thing to ponder um i think we're ready to wrap this up we we give the film a rating out of five on this show for me i mean a solid cast good idea it's worth a watch and probably better than a lot of the recent big budget ip films that we've seen so uh not a massive over-reliance on cgi so i think that that's good in an action film at times or a superhero film so i'm giving this a three out of five positive for me We've got socials. We've got Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Give us a follow if you can. Give us a like. The question I wanted to put up there with the post is, would immortality scare you? Would the idea of living forever scare you? That absolutely freaks me out. I don't know. You know, in the back of your mind, if you're like, just life never ends. You just continually going, especially if you're stuck in the same, you know, body age or type for forever and a day. Like, you'd, you'd start to get very sad uh, when you see things change and people come and go. I don't know. I, I find that a really tough thing. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts? We're back next week. Next week, we have a international film from 2020. It's the Italian comedy called The Players, or Gli Infideli. It's directed by Stefano Mordini, stars Riccardo Scamacchio, Valerio Mastorandri, and Laura Ciardi. Cool. Haven't heard of it. No idea. If you're interested, come back next week. Have a listen. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll speak soon.